Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you today. Hope you're having a great day. Hey, I just want to give a shout out to all our trunkers yesterday who were doing some serious treating to all those kids. Hey, uh, everybody who helped, we just want to give you a big thank you for what you did. Let's give a shout out to them. I mean, serious. We had hundreds of kids here having candy, walking away with large amounts of candy. We had 20,000 pieces of candy to give out. Yeah, 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 we're pretty big. And, you know, um, it's hard to get people to come to church. And we got all these people. I didn't know three quarters of the people that were there. You know, because I was walking around talking to people, and they're like, what's this creepy old guy doing? You know, it's like, no, I'm the pastor here. Don't worry, I'm not, it doesn't make me not creepy. That does, and it doesn't make me old. Yeah, okay, that didn't work at all. So, um, but the idea that you can get people of all kinds of life to come together and just celebrate something, it just makes me so proud of this church that we don't care, you know, it wasn't like we were at the door sorting out, oh, you're dressed like Moses, you can come on in. And then you're dressed like the the King Wraith of uh, Lord of the Rings, you can't come in. It's like, no, no, We, we had a great time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Crosstown. And I want to thank you people of Crosstown who even didn't come, that you could cause me a lot of trouble. It wouldn't go far, but you could cause me a lot of trouble by saying, well, you're celebrating uh, Halloween and you're worshiping the devil kind of crap. But you didn't do that to me. And I want to thank you so much because that's not what we were doing. If you were here, you would have seen it wasn't going on. But, I, you know, so... Uh, if this is your first time here at Crosstown, I'm the old creepy dude. My name's Pastor Paul, and I am safe, very energetic, ADD, love Jesus with all my heart, um, and uh, so don't be scared. You'll get out of here. Okay. Um, so we've been talking about Luke's gospel, and the reason why I like Luke's gospel, because I'm, uh, I'm very scientifically oriented, and I like facts, and um, I, Luke is that guy. John is your abstract Jackson Pollock, painter, he's your Monet guy. He's, he's talking about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and in the beginning was God, and all things were made through him. And it's like, all true, all factual, but yet kind of in a more abstract kind of language, which I love at times in my life. But there are some times, particularly when uncertainty begins to work its way around me in so many places, I need to know what, what, is, what is the facts about Jesus and what is it about God? And so he does a really clean and succinct way of presenting the life of Jesus. Um, but today we're going to be taking a look at how Luke does something that you may not like. Uh, he's very matter-of-fact about things. And he tells stories about Jesus that are very matter-of-fact. Um, we're going to hear Luke tell us about some encounters where there is no mincing of words in the conversation. He's not just telling us the sweet baby Jesus story. Uh, He's telling us even the Jesus in your face kind of stories. And we're a culture who doesn't want uh, Jesus in your face kinds of story. But, But you know, there's some times when you just have to be direct, when you just gotta let people know where they're at. And, and that's very important for God. And, and there are some times you have to speak directly 
or people won't get it. They won't understand what it's, what it's all about. And, and I think we've all been with people or maybe have been that person that sometimes we have needed somebody to be very direct with us to let us know, hey, this is where you stand in this relationship. Here's a perfect example of it. Um, what I meant was, um, I like you, Mary. I like you a lot. <laughs> I want to ask you a question straight out, flat out. I want you to give me the honest answer. What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together? Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say, and we really don't... Hit me with it! Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just, least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! I read you. Exactly. There are some times when you, when you need to know exactly where we stand. And then we've got to be honest with this idea of, okay, what is Jesus really telling me here? And we use this phrase called mincing words. We use the phrase also beating around the bush, but I like mincing words. It's kind of a cool idiom. It's, it's a real interesting turn of phrase. And it means to be vague, to be indirect. Uh, don't mince your words, or it's usually used in the negative, uh, and, or let's not mince words. And it kind of conjures up culinary images, the idea of dicing things up and, and putting them into a big pot together and all these different ingredients and, and then cooking them together. It's, it's the idea of making light of something um, in order to avoid criticism or to uh, saying something in a way that solicits approval from other people, but you're not really saying it, but you're saying it a little bit. Um, and we do a lot of mincing of words today. I mean, we are really good about mincing words today. We don't say what we mean for a lot of reasons. Uh, sometimes we don't say what we mean because we shouldn't. Because the relationship doesn't have the context of just, you know, some of us would blurt out, well, you know, well, I just believe you got to be truthful and blunt and blah. It's like, no, no, sometimes just be a good human being, be nice to people. You know, you're only in the grocery store. We don't need to know what your stand is on this or that. Sometimes it's like, no, it, it, missing words or, or just being kind to people is just a really good thing to do to do. And so there are some times when we don't need everything that's in your mind. Um, there are some times we just want to get along with people. And I know some of you were that people because remember when the Patriots were like dominating every football season and they would become the champions? And, and you guys remember that? Do you guys need photos? Because I got photos. 
Uh, but remember when it was really big and, and everybody was there? And, and you guys would all be so sweet to me. It's like, oh, man, yeah, I'm so glad the Patriots are winning. I'm so happy for you. We love Tom Brady. And then I'd walk out of the room, and I'd watch you guys talk to each other. I can't stand Tom Brady's. And, you know, you'd be like, hey, Paul, I hope your team does good today. And then you'd be like, in private, you'd be like, I can't stand Brady. I can't stand the Patriots. I know some of you, you know. Uh, so, like, if you're from Cincinnati and right now, it's like, uh, oh, we love Joe Burrow. We love Joe Burrow. It's like, oh, yeah, we love Joe Burrow. But when you're not in the room, boy, he needs a wedgie. That, that guy, he needs a wedge. He needs to go down. It's how I feel about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I have a son-in-law. You, you all feel that way. Yeah, so I have a son-in-law who's really into it, and I support it, and I'll wear the jersey for him. But, you know, when he walks out of the room, I'm like, I hope these guys get pounded. You know? And so sometimes we won't say what we want, want to say or what we believe because we want to get along. Perfect example. You're at a restaurant. Chicken's not cooked the way that you like it, right? You know, the fish isn't right or something's not right, but then that person comes over that's running the restaurant that night, hey, I just want to check to see how your dinner's doing tonight. Yeah, how are you enjoying your dinner? And what do we all do? We lie. We, we do not tell them. You know, and I did one time. I, I did actually, we were out at a, a Mexican restaurant. I love this Mex- Mexican restaurant. My favorite mes- Mexican restaurant. I mean, I've been there so often, I think I keep them in business. And I love it. And so one day they just asked me what I thought about, about how was the food. And I didn't like the salsa that day, you know, and it was a little kind of weak. And so uh, I, figured, <laughs> I figured I'd let, yeah, hey, Kevin, just want to let you know, this, uh, love it, love this place. And so I started, but the salsa's a little weak. It's a little like ketchupy here. I kind of like it with a little bit more like that. You know, all of a sudden I'm into that conversation and I realize this isn't going to go well for me. You know, it's like my food, I'm going to have to inspect it before I start to eat this stuff. But we do it a lot. We will mince words with people. Sometimes we do it, and I think particularly we're doing it culturally because we're afraid of being canceled. Is that if I really say, and I think the American people are at the point where we're afraid to say what we really think. And so we're kind of all mincing words, depending if I'm with all my Democrat friends or if I'm with all my Republican friends or if I'm with my church friends or if I'm with my white friends or if I'm with my black friends. And, and it's like, you know, we have all these ideas out there and we'll, we'll speak whatever so that we don't get canceled by anybody. But there are some times when the issue um, is uh, clarity is charity. When you... The, most, the kindest thing you can do to a human being is to let them know where they stand. And that's what we're going to see with Jesus today. Because otherwise, if you're reading the Gospel of Luke or any of the Gospels, and all of a sudden you encounter this moment with Jesus, you're like, whoa, what, what ha- he must have been having a bad day. But there are some times when, when it has got to be spoken clear to you and, and, and you've got to know where you stand in a particular place, particularly with God. So we're going to jump into the story. Jesus and his uh, entourage were traveling to towns, and the purpose of going to these towns was to, to uh, get people to join the kingdom of God. I mean, so they were recruiting. They were, they were going out there, to, you know, miracles were being done. They were talking about the love of the kingdom of God. They were talking about the love of the Father, and they were presenting all of it. So the mission was, let's get people to join. Let's get people to become a part of this. 
So you would think, well, let me read you the story because Jesus seems to just forget what the vision is here. So as they were going along the road, and we're reading out of Luke chapter nine, as they were going down the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. It's like, okay, all right, all right, calm down there, buddy. You calm down, Jesus. I mean, you know, we're on our way to go recruit people, right? Uh, you know, that's a people right there, you know, and they just said they wanted to join us and you just kind of like did, did one of those numbers. It's like, okay, but behave yourself, Jesus. So they go a little bit further and Jesus said to another, follow me. But the man said, Lord, first permit me to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. It's like, oh, oh yeah, no, you didn't mean that. I know, I mean, we, that is like, whoo, that is really strong, Jesus. You don't understand. We're going to have to put out something on social media to clean up that little, little uh, interaction there. You got a nice Jesus. Where is he? Somebody get Jesus a latte. A pumpkin spice latte, because this is way too direct right now. And so, and it's, I love it. Usually, just kind of a rule of thumb if you're new to the Bible, do not extract any one verse out of context. You could turn it into a cult. You could turn it into a false idea. Sometimes, though, when you see a Bible story putting out three or four examples of the exact same concept, that's the ones that we're supposed to be grabbing. You know, uh, so we have a repeated story. We have a thing because Luke is like, you need to get this. You need to get this. We're not mincing words. This is is where we're going. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to go and say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know if I can run a church this way. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, when you're a pastor and you're trying to figure out how to become successful and how to grow a church and, you know, if, if you're, especially if your motives are a little bit off of the gospel center, you know, you can't grow a church this way. You can't be, you can't be this blunt with people about, about where they are and all. It's like, lighten up Jesus a little bit. We're trying to add people here, but we have only gone about two and a half miles and you've already offended three people along the way. This is not good salesmanship. Are you intentionally trying to drive them away? The point here is that clarity is charity. He's like, listen, I'm not gonna string you along. There's gonna be some high demands here. There's gonna be a high calling here. There's, there, there, is, there is a message here. People need to know, especially about Jesus. You can choose, you know, you can choose if you wanna drive a Lexus, a Mazda, a Toyota, uh, a Nissan, you can, you can choose whatever there. And you can listen to all the commercials that are mincing all the facts and, and kind of put them in a hodgepodge and, and put them out and you get to, you, can, you don't have to have clarity on a car. You know, just gotta be able to pay for it. And you can drive whatever you want. Um, but when it comes to Jesus, you need clarity. When it comes to God, we really need to know where we stand in the relationship. And for Jesus, he challenges these, these individuals. He's saying to them, your comfort cannot be your center. Your past cannot be your mindset. 
and your relationships can't be your first love. If you were to break out those three little illustrations of Jesus, talking about the dead guy, talking about the foxes that have holes, talking about go home and say goodbye to the folks that are there, Jesus is like, listen, I'm gonna have to be very direct that if you're looking for a comfortable ride with God, that everything's, you know, Southern Living Magazine kind of spiritual experience, that's not where we're going. If, if you're looking to that your mindset is on the past and you're always gonna be governed or making decisions based upon the past, that's not where we're going either. And if relationships are your first love, I don't care, you know, what kind of relationship you have. You know, that, that's the real thing. People will ask me, what's the church that stand on this kind of relationship, that kind of relationship, this kind of relationship? I will tell you, it's all summed up in this. You know, Jesus first. Jesus first. It doesn't matter the configuration of the relationship to some degree. We could talk more about that. But, but, but where we need to have clarity is, Jesus says, come follow me. And that's really, that's a little different than what we're hearing uh, over the last decade together. You don't get to pick your identity. You're called to surrender your identity. It's crazy in culture today. We're, we're, we're like out there trying to say, I have a right to have this identity and this identity and this identity. And I demand you call me by this identity and whatever, whatever it is. You know, um, I, I got those demands on people as well. But we see in the gospel, it's like, no, you don't get it. I'm asking you to surrender your identity. And it's like, whoa, all right, now that's, that's not, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. And I get it. And you may not want to be a part of this. And I get it. But God forbid if I don't provide you with the clarity that Jesus gave us. God forbid if I step over the hard stories of Jesus just so that I can tell you the baby, sweet baby Jesus stories. But there was a time when Jesus stopped the crowd, stopped the parade, and in the middle of it said, listen, you need to know where we stand. But Jesus, what you're saying is that there is a chance. And he's like, no, there isn't a chance. Let me be clear about this relationship. Jesus isn't someone you add to your portfolio. He's not someone we can mince into our lives. We, we can't chop him up into a nice guy. We can't chop him up into a good teacher. We can't chop him up into a philosopher. We can't chop him up into baby Jesus. We can't chop him up into, uh, mince him into Jesus of the holidays. We, we, we can't all of a sudden decide that I'm gonna take the Jesus that will help me get a job on Monday. But if you have any questions about this, let me read to you Luke 14, 25. And now large crowds were going along with Jesus. Okay, you just gotta stop there. From a pastor standpoint, and I don't mean real pastor, I'm talking about from a business standpoint, pastor, and I try not to be that guy, but I get tempted just like every other pastor in the world. It's like, oh, we won. We're a large crowd. You know, that's, that, all the pastors of big churches get invited to speak at conferences. Pastors of little churches, we don't, we don't because they're not, they really haven't arrived. So here's Jesus, now having a large crowd going around him, along with him, you'd think he'd leave it alone. You know, leave it alone, you won, man. You got the crowd, you got more 
Jews following you than the, than the local Pharisees. And, and, and we got more people attending your tent revivals than you got people in the synagogue. It's like, dude, you won. Leave it alone. And, and now the large crowd were following him. And he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. It's like, oh, I'm telling you, if I'm working on the Jesus thing and I'm handing out flyers, I'm like, Pfft. I mean, if you're gonna do this all the time, I, 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 you see, we can't just marginalize, you know, what, what's Crosstown stand on this or that? or this, in this particular issue. And there are there issues, yes, there are issues. But let's just be honest with you. <laughs> let's get this one out front. And you know, it's interesting. Uh, mother, father, wife, children, brother says, okay, there's nothing there that um, is gay. There's nothing there that's transgender. There's nothing there that's racial. There's nothing there that got, I mean, he took a deep dive into what we call normalized relationships. So when people are asking me questions about what's your stand on LGBTQT, whatever, it's like, well, no, 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 I'm not going to be marginalized. Because I got a problem with stupid heterosexuals. I'm serious. The gospel does. I mean, we got things parading around as good plumbing marriage, which is not biblical marriage. Husbands and wives loving themselves, giving themselves to each other, you know? But we just target this one people group and say, we're gonna go after them because that's biblically wrong. I would be honest with you, we start looking at this kind of language, I think we all can go home. Whether we're heterosexual, whether we're gay, whether we're white, whether we're black, whether, you know, whether we're mother or father, or, and we can all go home and go, huh, okay, wait a minute. Do I have Jesus right? Because it doesn't matter if I get all the other stuff right and I still get Jesus wrong. We gotta get Jesus right. And then maybe it will have some sort of trophic cascading effect on other areas of our lives. But if we don't get Jesus right, and Jesus right now just went at the heart of every relationship that we have ever affirmed in, in history and said, oh, no, 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 no. You think just because you're, you're mommy, daddy, and you know, man and woman, you think you got it all right. It's like, no, no, no. All of that, I, I come before all of it. And I know some of you are just like shocked by this. And I'm sorry you're shocked. And the reason why I'm sorry is because we have lied to you as American pastors for decades. We have minced our words so that we could grow a large crowd. Or because we're afraid of Twitter. You know, and it's like, you deserve the, the charity of clarity. And Jesus is, he's just like, he's, he's almost brutal. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's like, dang. Here's the thing that we know Jesus loves your mama and we know he loves your father and we know that he loves your sister and your brother. I mean, we know he loves, he's not telling us to hate people that we are later on by Jesus and by the apostle Paul told to love, but he's saying, listen, I'm different. I mean, it, it, I'm first. 
Um, your mindset in life cannot be centered around anybody. You know, we've been eating religious mincemeat um, for decades. Um, have you ever heard of mincemeat before? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a British thing, and I think we should keep it that way. Um, I mean, come on. Uh, it's pie filling. Now, let me just tell you what's in this beautiful gem. Um, uh, the traditional ingredients of mincemeat are raisins, currants, chopped tot apples, shredded beef suet, yum, lemon peel, orange peel, chopped blanched almonds. Don't forget to blanch those almonds. We don't want them to have too much flavor. Cider vinegar, cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, mace. And I know there's a food called mace, but it sounds like this could be something you could spray in somebody's face. Ginger, coriander, brandy. Now we're getting there. A shot of rum. Okay, okay. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> then, then add, okay, then if that wasn't it, then add finely chopped lamb or beef meat. Mm. Then you take all of this stuff, stir it all up, stuff it in a stuff in a crust, and then put it in the oven and then cook it, and then serve it as a dessert. See, this is basically everything masquerading as a dessert. I mean, this is like omni-stuffing in a dessert form and then being told to eat. I mean, it's a look at it. Yes, I did enhance the photo to be gross. Yes, I did try to slant your bias towards that. But just look at this stuff. It's just, it's everything. See, we've been, we've been mincing godly principles in our response to God. You know, we've been mincing that out. Oh, well, you, you know, yeah, you don't have to buy into the gospel here, but you, can, you have to buy into the gospel over here. Um, we've been mincing the message to our children. We take them to church every Sunday. We believe church going is good. Then we get home and then as mom and dad, we're cussing each other out in front of our kids. You know, we're, we're F-bombing at home. We're talking about the neighbors. We're, uh, you know, we're, you know we're, we're, we're either radical left or radical right and want to blow people up or attack people or, or, or burn stuff down. I mean, and then our kids are like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought we were Jesus people. Uh, isn't, isn't that something more and something different? Yes, it is. But, and, but we really, and so our kids are confused about what is Christianity? You know, we, we tell them, well, you're, you're not supposed to be gay, but dad can cheat on mom. You know? It's like, what the heck is that? Uh, and, and I know I'm being incredibly offensive, but I'm supposed to be today. I, we're called to Jesus. We're called to sell out. We're told to pick up our cross and follow. So we're not supposed to sit and go through the church website and find out how many things with this church do I agree with. And then I'll decide if I go there as long as I can keep my mind just the way it is and join Jesus. That's a lie. I mean, it's an absolute lie. Um, 
let me, let me give you an example, and I've lost my place in my notes. So um, uh, here's, a, here's a lie that we have propagated. It sounds right now, and I know now I've got the Christian people are really going to, I'm, I'm going to shrink this crowd by one-third right now. All you got to do is accept Jesus Christ in your heart. That's all you got to do. Accept Jesus Christ in your heart. You know that's not in the Bible. Jesus isn't looking to join you. Jesus commands you to join him. It's, It's always been in the Bible, but in America, that was too harsh. So we decided that you bring little Jesus in, and he just kind of joins your life. And he just kind of fluffs your pillow for you so you can feel good about yourself. And Jesus is saying stuff like this, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, unless you die to yourself, and it's not about your identity, but identify yourself with me, you can have nothing to do with me. But you're saying there's a chance if I'm a good person, or if I give money, or as long as I adopt animals, as long as I'm nice to the people who work. Jesus is like, no, I'm being very clear here because I love you, because this is a relationship we need to know exactly where we stand. The other thing is is that we expect God to bless our minced obedience. Um, James 1.7 says this, for let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. It's like if you're doing a minced Jesus thing, do not expect anything from God. You're like, you're such a lousy preacher. And it's like, no, I'm just reading the Bible. So now you know where your enemy is. It ain't me. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm not looking to control your relationships. I'm not looking to determine who's in or out. I've just sold out that this is the word of God. This is actually God talking and I'm just trying to provide it with clarity. I need clarity in my life. I mean, how long did I tolerate looking at, I could be a Christian man and look at porn? You know, that's another one of those cases. We wanna hammer the homosexual, but yet it's okay for Christians to deal with porn. It's because, you know, it's natural. It's like, no! We're all challenged. This is all bigger than that. How big is it? It's about Jesus saying, Follow me. I'm not joining you. I'm calling you to follow me. I'm calling you to sell out. That's the Jesus that died on the cross and rose on the third day. In another encounter, Jesus challenges mincing of words, but this time he does it, and I want to make sure, um, I, the reason why I put this one in here is because you're thinking like, well, you're kind of like double downing. One, I double down all the time so that you know that I'm not just decontextualizing and pulling out an isolated story. But also, I want you to hear the tenor of Jesus, because I may not have represented that real well today. Because I'm an I'm a Irish, Italian, Bostonian uh, with a big mouth. I get it. I know what I am. I, some could say, you just described the word jerk. No, I, I, so, so I get it. I get it. I, I, and, and if you think I, I walk out of here thinking I've done a perfect job every Sunday, you're totally confused on that. I don't feel that way. 
So I pulled this story because of one little thing that's in this story that kind of communicates this idea that you need to get right just as much as everything else that we heard Jesus say. As Jesus was setting on a journey, again, to get people, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's like, okay, dude, I'm a fisherman. All you have to do, Jesus, is just really let, bring him the line a little bit, okay? Just a little bit, and we got him. That's all you have to do, Jesus. Man comes up and says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is going to respond this way. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He's like, listen, if you really believe I'm good, and if you are elevating me to this stature, then this should command some sort of response from you. So he says, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. And here's the important part. Looking at this young man, Jesus felt love for him. So I don't want you to think that this this challenge on mincing words is being done hatefully by God or by Jesus. Jesus looks at this guy who has minced up the gospel. Oh, I've I've done this. And and now I get to go to heaven because I've done this. And Jesus is about to give him clarity with charity. See, there is no place in the American church, no, who cares, in the church of Jesus, let's go big time, in the church of Jesus for truth without charity. We don't get to be rude, mean, you know, we don't don't get to, that's not it. Jesus looks at this guy who is totally confused and he just like, I love this guy, you know? And I think it's make sure, because if Jesus is challenging you about your life today, you, you need to remember he's looking at you with absolute love. He's not trying to ruin your life. He's trying to bring heaven to your life. And most of the time, you are the biggest obstacle to heaven in your own life. So he said, teacher, I've done all these things since I was a youth. Jesus felt love for him. And Jesus understood the mincemeat that was in front of him. And he said, go, uh, one thing you lack, because I know you. Go and sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But at these words, but at these words, at these particular words, see, that's why I'm, again, We go through church directories. We go through creedal statements. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, I don't like that. I I don't want to go to a church with that. So we all have particular words, don't we? I mean, for me, money's not a deal. Um, Yeah, money's not my thing. Uh, I don't even, uh, being the boss is not my thing. I mean, seriously, I think there is somebody that could probably do my job better, and I would like to just keep my job, uh, but 
you know, so I, I, don't, I don't get off on being the lead guy. I, and if you work for me, people that work for me know I don't really. Um, you know what I get off on? Affirmation. I like it when people like me. I like people when people say, you're smart. I love that. You want to schmooze me? Tell me I'm smart. I, it, it's, it's my weak point. But you know what? That, those are my words. Add these words. So God's like, listen, dude, I need you to surrender your intellect to me. I need you to surrender your crowd approval. I need you to surrender, you know, wanting everybody to like you. I'm going to need you to surrender. For this guy, when he heard these words, and it happened to be his stuff, because he owned a lot of stuff, it says, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Or I would phrase it this way, was somebody who was owned by much property. See, God doesn't want your relationship, no matter what it is, to own you, to define you. The fact in America that sexual identity has become the core definition of who we are is a total departure from the reality that we discover in God. Identity is found in being created by God and being a child of God. Then all other identity flows gets corrected from that. That's where we start. It, it, it's, you know, we've, we, we've lost the fundamental ideas. So what are your particular words that send you away from Jesus? Sad. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, I love Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus um, looked around at his disciples and he said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. It's like, I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I, I know I just threw something in front of this kid that, but I had, to be, I had to be kind to him. I had to tell him what was in the way. For him, it wasn't his sexual stuff. It wasn't loving his mother and father stuff. He had gotten that right. But there was another place where worship was happening, where his center was, and it was his stuff. And it, it doesn't, this isn't some religious, I mean, religious right beating their chest mentality. This is Jesus like, man, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy doing this, but I have to do this because I want something greater than you and your identity and your relationship to come into your life. I, am, I want the kingdom of God to come into your life. That's what we're going to have to decide today. Is that really what we want? Because we have got to challenge our particular words. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered them and said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? They were astonished. They were like, then who can be saved? This is a really interesting point because why would they say that? Because they're not rich. See, they realize that Jesus isn't talking about the 1%. They know that they get it because they're like personally astonished and they're like, well then who, including us, can possibly be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said, with people it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It's like, yeah, um, this only works if you join me but this isn't about me joining you right where you are. 
and, and fluffing your pillow. Let's not mince words um, as we close out today. Let me, I'm going to use a word. I hate using this word. And that, that probably is telling on me. Yeah, it is. Deck on me. Um, I hate the word repent. You know? I hate it. It sounds so Bible Beltish, doesn't it? It's like, ugh. I was raised Catholic. As long as you went to communion, I mean, confession, you get it over with. You get right back to what you wanted to get back to by the time Friday rolled around. As long as you went to confession, you know, you, it was a really good system. I loved it. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't mince words about this idea of repent. We are called to repent and follow Jesus. After his resurrection, Jesus summons everybody together. He gets all of his disciples together and he begins to impart his mission to the apostles. You know, at the point when you're about to, when about to leave, Jesus has already died, he's risen, and he's about to leave. You make sure you get everybody gets the outline. You know, they, they get, this is what happened in staff meeting and we need to make sure we got this right. And so here's what Jesus puts out. Thus it is written, he says to the disciples, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the, th- uh, from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Wow. Repentance is right there. The apostles remained unminced with this message. And we are told by Luke in the book of Acts, chapter 2, that when they had a big Sunday and everybody showed up for church on Sunday and there were thousands of people streaming into church on the Sunday because the Holy Spirit had been poured out and everybody was like, I want a piece of this. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. They responded this way, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not you be you. Not you figure out what the churches stand on this or that. It's like, it's like, no, you got to turn from you and turn towards Christ. And we tend to like, you know, itemize. Well, what about this year? It's like, no, Peter didn't. He said, no, turn from you. Each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We search for a gospel, a book, a belief, a church that agrees already with the minds that we have. That's how we search for churches. Does it agree with what I'm already thinking? But the word repent means change of mind. Stop trying to build a universe around you. Stop trying to arrange a universe, even God, that agrees with you. We'll pull all the friendlies here and we'll make them all there. We'll make everybody use the words that we want them to use. We want to create a nice little space where, where you know, the universe speaks nice to us. And Jesus comes to us and says, repent. Repent. It's like, wow. And, I, and I'm telling you, I... I am as convicted by preaching this message as maybe you may feel by hearing it because we have soft-shoed Jesus. 
but we're in an hour and a day where clarity is necessary, but only clarity with charity. Storm in the Capitol ain't going to get it done. And those were my people. But you know what? They got it wrong. Bowing your life to Jesus Christ, no matter who you are, no matter what your sexual preference is, it all starts with bowing before Jesus. Will he maybe screw up your sex life? I'm heterosexual and he screwed mine up. You know, I mean, I don't like monogamy. I'm not a monogamous guy. I don't even have a monogamous gene in me. You know, I know some of you are like, that was way too graphic. But I don't want you to think that just because I got the plumbing right, that I'm right. It's about Jesus and what Jesus calls me to. It's not because I'm white, I got it right. Definitely not because I'm Republican, I got it right. It's not because I'm American that I got it right. It's like, you gotta get Jesus right. All foxes have holes, birds have, let, have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't lay his head anywhere else except for in the love of the Father and to serve our Heavenly Father. So today was Clarity Day. You know, I know it might have been a little strong, a little but Jesus did it too and he did it out of love and I really hope that over the next few moments as we close out with communion and as with worship that you allow the, the charity of clarity to penetrate your heart I know some of you I saw feet moving some of you were like you wanted to go you wanted to go and, and I, I you're amazing for staying it's amazing to be challenged about your life and you're willing to sit and listen to that and if it was me if it was me challenging you I would say get up and get out of here but if it's really the word of God it takes guts to let somebody talk to you that way but I want to let you know Jesus looked at this man with love he does not want to hurt you he desires to give you the kingdom and that's better than sex it's better than money it goes deeper than color it's stronger than gender it's it's life and it's life abundantly father thank you so much for your love your word says faithful are the wounds of a friend you love me so much that you won't let me stay me and I th i'm grateful for that thank you for not mincing words with me said pick up your cross and follow you so father today for some of us we have found in our minds that maybe we were fine we were following conservatism or liberalism we were cons we were following our skin color we were we were orienting the universe to our gender or we were all orienting you to our relationships but when we heard these words ah God now we're at that place you're not looking to gather a crowd are you you're looking to give a kingdom to make us new creations 
want the old things to pass away. All of us. So Father, today, in sobriety, with clarity, in an atmosphere of charity, we dare to surrender to you. Let me encourage you. I know that we offer bread and the cup all the time. Sometimes I really respect people who don't come up for it because they're like, whoa, I just got clarity and I'm not ready to do that. I salute you. Would to God that everybody that comes up do it with as clarity as those who choose to remain to be seated. So let me encourage you to good conscience to think about what you're doing at this point. If you choose not to come up and you remain in your seat, nobody's going to give you eyes. Nobody's counting. Nobody's keeping track. What God wants today is clarity in a spirit of charity. Maybe today's not your moment. I don't know. But God just wants to not mince words today. He loves you. He's not going to follow you. He calls you to follow him at all costs.